Peter towards the end of your Bible. If you haven't got a Bible, uh, we have a few that you could uh, borrow. You probably only need to borrow one, you'll find. But uh, just raise your hand if you would like to borrow one, and uh, one will be delivered to you. The words will also be appearing on the screen behind me. Uh, so you've got several options in terms of following the passage today. Just in case we run out of Bibles, there's quite a few today. Okay, a few more down here at the front as well. Um, Jody? Cool. Okay, well, we've been looking at this passage in, uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, through verses 1 to 11. Um, we'll read that again today. Uh, in fact, we'll read a few more verses, so we'll read through to verse 15 today. And uh, we'll be concluding um, this mini-series on 2 Peter. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of our God, of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and self-control perseverance and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone doesn't have them, he's short-sighted and blind, and has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never fall, and you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'll always remind you of these things, even though you know them, and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of this body, because I know that I'll soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I'll make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Okay. So, as I said, this is the seventh and final time that we're going to be looking at this uh, passage in 2 Peter. We have uh, looked in quite a bit of detail at it. Um, We started off by just seeing what it is that God has done for us. Uh, the things that God has done in our lives, he's given us uh, a faith as precious as that of, of Peter and the other apostles. He's given us grace and peace. He's given us his divine power, the spirit of God, uh, giving us everything we need for life and godliness. Um, he's given us great and precious promises. He's given us the ability uh, to, through those promises to participate in the divine nature, to know God. Um, He's given us the ability to escape the corruption uh, in the world caused by evil desires. Uh, Escape that in our life. Now we can be free from the power and the hold that sin has over us. And also in the future when we're in glory with God and Christ. Um, So those are the things that God has already done for us. 
Um, we then see that Peter has gone on and said, for that reason, we need to work hard. We respond to what God has done. We don't do it for ourselves. We don't um, look to earn favor with God, but it's a response to the grace of God. It's a response to the mercy of God. That actually, we work hard. We make every effort to cultivate different uh, fruits of the Spirit, really, and to, and to furnish, to equip our lives with them. And so the last few weeks, we've been looking at what those things are. We've been looking at goodness and knowledge and self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. And uh, going back a few weeks now, because we, we looked at these verses a few weeks ago, we saw how those things, if we, if we bring them about in our lives, if we cultivate, if we give attention to them in our lives, we will uh, increase in those things uh, bit by bit, and they'll prevent us from being ineffective and unproductive in our walk with God. If we don't have those things in our life, we're going to be short-sighted. We're going to not be able to see what God is doing. We're not going to be able to see beyond the immediate in our lives. Oh, this is going on. Oh, I can only see what's right before me. I've not got the big view. I've not got the long view. I've not got the wide perspective. We'll be short-sighted. Even blind, not able to know and see what God is doing in our lives. And then we'll have forgotten what's happened in the past. We'll have forgotten that God has cleansed us and forgiven us for our past sins. So that's what we've done so far. You might be thinking, well, why, why did you take six weeks over all that? You've just summed it up in five minutes. Um, but hopefully uh, what I preached in those other weeks will have uh, been doing you good over, those, uh, over that time. Now, in verse 10 which is where we're up to today, Peter is hammering the point home, really. Um, this, is, this is the application part of it, and it's always good to have application, isn't it? It's good to, it's, it's not, you don't want to just hear messages that are, uh, you know, intellectual. Oh, that's, that's interesting. That's made me think a bit. If there's no application to your life, if there's no outworking in your life, and, and this, is, this is kind of really where Peter's getting to. He's He's coming to it pretty quickly in his letter, but he's getting to some real application here. Verse 10, therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you'll never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So his application here is be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Let's just have a look and see. Uh, what, the, what those things mean. Election, we'll start with first of all, because that could be the one that people think, I'm not sure what that means. What does it mean? Make your election sure. Um, well, our election by God is, uh, is the fact that God has chosen us. God has chosen us before the foundation of the world. We see Paul explain what that means in Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 4, he says this, about uh, about God. He chose us in him before the creation of the world to be homely, holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Um, so he's saying God's relationship with us didn't just start at the point that we first heard the gospel. God's relationship with us didn't start just at the, at the first time that we said, actually, I'm going to make a decision for Christ. I'm going to decide that I'm going to follow Christ. 
So many of you might have thought, well, that's, that's kind of when my relationship with God started. That's when, that's when I came to know God. Actually, Paul and Peter are saying, God knew you way before that. God knew you before you were born. He knew you before you were even created in your mother's womb. He knew you before the earth was created. He knew you before the creation of the world. And he chose you before the creation of the world. Not just knew you. He made a conscious decision. He chose you. He wanted you to be his. If we are in Christ, if we know God, that's because he has chosen us. It's not our doing. It's not our decision. We're not in control here. It's, it's a bit arrogant, isn't it, to say, oh, we, we can make the calls. We can call the shots. We decide whether we're in relationship with God or not. We're human beings. God's God. God decided who he wanted to know. And he chose us before we were even in existence, before the world was even in existence. That's what election means. He brought us into that relationship. He, he knew he was going to call us. So yes, we responded. Yes, there was a time when we'll have heard the gospel preached or heard someone explain it to us. And we'll have responded in our hearts. And that's a response to what God has already started, what God has already done. We see things from just our perspective. So much of life we can just see from our perspective. We try and work it all out. I don't, and then we say, oh, I don't understand this. It, oh, it's difficult. You know, this is a difficult doctrine, really, the doctrine of election. Oh, I don't, I don't quite get it. Well, that's okay. We don't have to get it. Actually, we just have to believe what the word of God says. Because God works it all out. He's far more intelligent than we are. He's far more understanding. He sees the big picture. We see a tiny picture. It's like we've got a jigsaw and we've got, we've got a piece of a jigsaw and we're like, oh, I can't, I can't quite work out what this picture is. That's because we've got one piece of the jigsaw. God's got the whole thing and he can see the whole thing. He can see where everything fits. And so we believe this. The Bible tells us God chose us before the foundation of the world. God instigated it and he called us. He's calling an election. He called us to follow him. Just as Jesus chose and called his disciples, said, come and follow me, God has called us too. He's called us into a relationship with him. He's called us to follow him. And so like Jesus' disciples, we leave behind our old life. We leave behind our old ways. There might be things that we just say, actually, I see that that is just not a godly way of living. And we're not going to walk in that way anymore. So we're going to choose to follow Jesus. And we're leaving behind our old selves. And the Bible talks in extreme terms about it. It talks about death. It talks about us dying to our old way of life. Dying to our old self. Beginning a new life with Christ. Well, that's a bit extreme, isn't it? I thought we were just tweaking a few things here and there. No, we're not tweaking. It's a death. A death has happened. But God has called us into a new relationship with him. So when people who, want, who wanted to follow Jesus or thought they wanted to follow Jesus didn't quite understand it when Jesus was saying some quite extreme things to them. Oh, you know, I will follow you, but let me just do this first. Let, let me just bury my father first. Let me just sort my things out. Jesus is saying, no, forget it. Leave it. Walk away from those things. He's not saying don't have anything to do with your family. But he's saying, look, if you want to follow me, this is a new life you're going to lead. 
You're going in a new way. He calls us. And suddenly, things which were priorities in our life before, preoccupation with wealth or, 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 or whatever it might be, for some people, family. It was family with, with some of these people who followed Jesus. Suddenly, no, Jesus becomes the central figure in our life. So, so that's what, where we are. We've been elected. We've been chosen by God before the creation of the world. And we've been called to follow him. And so Peter here is saying, therefore, make, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. And we can think, oh, this, this sounds a little bit strange, though. I don't quite understand this. Just a little bit of a picture. No, we can try and explain this. It sounds like it's uncertain, doesn't it? Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Well, I thought it was sure. You've just told me, Mark, that God chose us before the creation of the world, before we were even born, and we've responded to that. So how can it not be sure? And there certainly are passages in the Bible which... Encourages, encourages and reassures that we are in God's. You know, in, in Romans 8, for example, you get that passage, don't you, at the end of, of Romans 8, where, where it says, Therefore, I'm convinced neither death nor life, angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, that's reassuring, isn't it? And that's true, and, it, and, and nothing can separate us from the love of God. So you can say, so how do we make it sure? How, how can we make it sure? It, it's done. It's already there. We're already securing God. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. But actually, Peter is, is, is highlighting here that God's sovereignty, God acting, and our responsibility work together. You see, God called us and chose us before the creation of the world. But there comes a point in our lives when we respond to that call, when we choose, when we act. Now, you might say, but it sounds like we don't have any choice. Sounds like it's going to happen anyway. Sounds a bit like we're robots. Some people say, is a choice, is that really a choice? How can it really be a choice? You get yourself into all sorts of muddles. How can it really be a choice if, 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 if God is calling us? Well, who said that God shouldn't be involved in choices? What, why isn't it a free choice if, if you say that God's involved? God can be involved. It is a choice. It is a decision that we make. But it's a response to what God is doing. God is compelling us. God is calling us to come. But we act. And then through our life, we keep acting. We keep responding to what God is doing. That's what Peter's saying here. Act in this way. Make it sure. It's not uncertain as far as God's concerned. Actually, sometimes we can be a bit uncertain about it as well, though. We can be unsure. Has God really called me? Am I really God's? Do I really know him? As we respond to God in these ways that Peter has been explaining, actually, that calling, that election is confirmed in our hearts. We outwork it through our lives. We outwork this election. We outwork this calling in our lives. We outwork it through our actions, through prayer, through study of God's word to get to know him better. We cultivate self-control. We develop perseverance when life gets tough. 
Both of those where we're tempted to walk away from a relationship with God. No, no, I'm going to press into it. I'm going to be self-controlled when temptation comes. I'm going to persevere when things get difficult, when, op- when persecution comes. We, we, we set our hearts and our hands to getting stuck into church life, loving our brothers and sisters, even loving people who annoy us the most in the world and in the church. <laughs> but we do, because that's, that's the reality of life. And Peter's saying, as we do these things, as we do all of these things, in, knowing God more, prayer, all of those things, actually, we will receive assurance ourselves. We will receive that assurance, that knowledge in ourselves. This is sure. This is certain. Assurance, being sure of something. We'll receive that confirmation in ourselves that we are his. Do you know, a lot of people doubt that they belong to God. There are a lot of people in the church. There will be people sitting here who are plagued sometimes by doubts. Doubts that they really belong to God. Does God really love me? Am I really his child? They don't have that assurance. And, and, and they'll come and, and they'll say, I'm not sure. I don't know. Sometimes if you start to ask them questions, um, it can tend to reveal something. So if you say to people, do you know what? Are you, are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you regularly praying? Are you stuck into the life of the church? Are you constant? Are you asking God to fill you with his spirit? Are you making every effort to love other people in the church? Love those in your core group. Core group. Are you, are you pressing on? Are you being encouraged by people? All of those things, all of these things that Peter's been addressing here. Do you know what? Most people, I'm not saying everyone, but most people who are struggling with, with, I don't know if God loves me. If you ask them, they'll be, and, and they're honest, they'll say, oh, do you know, I'm not, I'm not really doing those things much. No, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really praying that much. Do you know what? I haven't really read the Bible for a while. Well, they're not receiving that assurance because they're not pressing into some of these things. They're not making, they're calling an election sure. You say, oh, but I don't, I don't feel that God loves me. I, I've not got the motivation to do those things. Um, I, I don't really feel like worshipping God. So when I turn up on a Sunday, oh, do you know what? I just kind of sit on the edge a little bit. I, I, don't, I don't really know the song because I've not really been the last few weeks. But I, you know, I'll just stand there and I'll just let it all happen. I don't really feel God's meeting with me. No, we press in. We're eager because as we press in, and we do these things, actually we will receive confirmation that God loves us. Actually, some of the, sometimes the feelings, because it's not all about feelings, but they can help. Sometimes those feelings, that confidence that God loves us, can come as we get involved in things. As we make sure that we press in rather than back off. Um, it, it amuses me sometimes. Occasionally, we'll have a, we'll have a message preached. And uh, there'll be a response time at the end. And, and, and pretty much the response time is this. If you want to know God some more in your life, come forward. Some, sometimes it, you, we tend to dress it up a bit because we're like that here. You get a bit of power mad on the, on the stage. Let's, let's, let's take half an hour to say that. But, but that's what it amounts to. <laughs> Don't really. That's what it amounts Yeah. <laughs> 
This is, it'll get worse. Um, this is what it amounts to. What it amounts to really is, if you want to know God some more, come forward. Sometimes I am so tempted. Because you, you, you get people coming forward. We might, you, you know, you might get half the people here coming forward. Maybe even more than half. All coming forward. Yeah, I want to know God more. Fantastic. There's a few people who don't come forward. I'm so tempted sometimes to say to the people who have come forward, do you know what? Let's turn around and let's all go and pray for those people there. Because they're in desperate need. They, you know, they don't think they want to know God anymore. So we really need to pray for them. Come on, guys, let's pray. I'd have, I was so tempted the, the other month to do that. That close. <laughs> Maybe today's the day. <laughs> because, because actually we, we, can, we can just think, oh, do you know, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't feel... No, we need to press in. That's the time we need to press in because we need to know God loves us. We need to know God's called us. We don't want to get to that point where, we, where we're short-sighted and blind, where we can't see beyond our, our problems and our issues. And those, those problems and issues can be very real. I'm not, I'm not belittling the situations that we face, us, face and find ourselves in. But when it just is there and we can't see beyond it, that's difficult. Because we, we, lose that, we lose that sense of, of the bigger picture. We lose that sense of God being in our lives. And then we start saying, oh, on top of it all, I don't even know if I'm God's. That's a desperate place to be. We don't want people to stay there. Paul doesn't, Peter doesn't want people to stay there. We're going to press in. We're going to encourage. So there's an encouraging here. We don't have to be super Christian. It, it's not as though, we, oh, yes, I'm reading the Bible for two hours every day, and then I'm praying in tongues for an hour, and then I'm, you know, I, no, no, no. But we're just pressing in. We're being eager to see these things develop in increasing measure. In increasing measures, maybe just a little step at a time. Just actually seeing them grow. Never being satisfied. I mean, it's the same with any relationship, really. It's the same in our marriages. If we only, if we only press in, if we only act in a loving way towards our husband or wife, when we've got the feelings of love, actually our relationship's not going to last that long. Because those feelings won't always be there. There will be difficult times. In those difficult times, what do we do? Actually, we press in. No, I'm still, I do love my wife, so I'm, I'm still going to act in this way. I'm still going to do these things. Even though I'm, I'm, I'm maybe not feeling like doing that. Paul, Peter is urging us, be eager to outwork these things. And, and if we do that, we won't just get lazy. We won't just presume on God's grace. And actually, we'll never be satisfied with where we are at our walk, in our walk with God. We won't be satisfied with it. Now, hear me right on this. That doesn't mean that we're not amazingly grateful for what God has done. I mean, we could never thank God enough and praise God enough for all that he has done in our lives. It doesn't mean we're, we're saying, oh, I'm not satisfied. Well, oh, that's not enough, God. Come on, you need to do more. Actually, what it means is when we look at our own lives and our own walk with God and our own sense of godliness and holiness and when, when we're introspective, and some of us like being introspective more than others. You know, I'm not a particularly introspective person. Um, you know, I, I find it difficult. You know, people say to me, oh, how are you feeling about that, Mark? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't thought about how I'm feeling about it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of thinking this and I'm doing this and feeling, I don't know. If you ask my wife how she's feeling about something, you might be there a while, but <laughs> she, she can quite easily tell you how she's feeling about something. 
We're all different, you know. (laughs) So my loving response to my wife is, I want to listen to how you're feeling about things. (laughs) Anyway, why did I get onto this? Um, Oh, yeah. So it's 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 good to be introspective sometimes. Those of us who are not, we need to maybe develop that a little bit more because... Otherwise, we can just think, oh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm doing all right. And, and, and Peter's encouraging us, no, look at where you are. Look at where you are in your relationship with God and, and press in and look to see more godliness come about. Have a desire to, to grow in your walk with God, to grow uh, in, your, in your holiness. And, and uh, that's not what God see, declares us to be. I mean, God says we're holy because of what Jesus has done. But I mean in our actions, actually outworking what there is. Paul says similar thing, Philippians chapter 3. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. And he, uh, he says, not that I've already obtained this, or have already been made perfect. So he's been quite self-aware here, isn't he? He knows himself. I've not been made perfect already. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He's pressing on. He's like, no, no. Jesus declares me righteous. Jesus declares me holy. Right. Well, I'm going to take hold of that. I want to make that a reality in my life here. He says, brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. There's still work to do. But one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. He's really going for it. I'm not satisfied, he's thinking. You think, what, Paul, man, you're, you're, you're preaching the gospel, you've been suffering, you're, you're persevering, you're loving people, you're, you're doing all these things that we read about here in, in Acts. And you say, no, 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 I've not got it there yet. There's more to go for. I'm straining onwards. He's saying, yeah, yeah. I'm, I know there's things in my life, he's thinking, that I've not got sorted yet. I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm working on it. I'm straining ahead. And then he says, all of us who are mature should take up such a view of things. All of us who are mature. And he says, and if on some point you think differently, then God will make it clear to you. It's like, no, I'm right on this, actually. If you disagree with me, that's fine. God will make it clear one day. Um, you'll get there. And he's saying, no, this is what we should all do. So even Paul is doing it. He's not settling. He's eager. He's not being lazy. He's taking hold of that for which Christ took hold of him. Jesus has taken hold of him. He's pressing on to take hold of that. Paul says, Gets what is behind him in verse 13 there, doesn't he? Forgetting what is behind me. What sort of things is he meaning that, that he could be forgetting? What things could prevent him from pressing on and taking hold of those things? Because that's what he's meaning. Because that's the context. He's saying, you know, I'm pressing on. I'm forgetting what's behind me. Well, he might have been forgetting the things that he's done which he's ashamed of. Or that he, that a sin or that he, he shouldn't have done. It could well be that. You know, Paul lived a life. He, was, he thought he was zealous for God, but he was persecuting 
Christians. He was persecuting Jesus. That's what Jesus said when he met him on the Damascus road. Why are you persecuting me, Saul? Didn't even know I was persecuting you, Lord. But he was. You know, he was there when Stephen was stoned. And he was looking on. He was encouraging it. You could think, wow, that's a big thing to live with in your life. He could have just been living and thinking, oh, do you know what? Oh, how can I, how can I, how can I press on in God? Oh, I'm so unworthy. Oh, and, and that feeling of unworthiness. Oh, I've messed it up big style. That can stop some people really pressing on and into what God has got for them. Just that sense of, oh, I've, I've, I've made that mistake in the past. Paul's saying, no, 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 forget what is behind. That's been dealt with. On the cross, that was forgiven. That was dealt with. Jesus was punished for that. We don't have to live there any longer. We don't have to keep harking back to the person that we were and the things that we did. We might not ever forget them, but we don't let them take a hold of us. So we, don't, we might not forget them in that sense, but we can actively choose to forget them. I'm not paying any attention to that. I know it's dealt with. I know it's forgiven. I'm not going that way. We might have also, though, been thinking, forgetting the good things that have gone on. Forgetting what's behind. Sometimes, and, and this could be something that, as you get older, it can be the case. I, I'm finding it. Um, you, can, you can look back to things that have happened and think, oh, that's amazing. That was such a great time. That was an amazing time when God moved and when God did this. And we can end up living more and more in the past. And, and not giving our time to what God and our attention to what God is doing now. God is always doing a new thing. God has done amazing things in the past amongst us. Do you know, it's coming up to 20 years. In January, it's 20 years since the move of the Spirit, first of all called the Toronto Blessing. 20 years since the Toronto Blessing. I remember that time. I was about, I wasn't in Toronto, but it came, it, it worked through our church as, as it was at the time, Walkley Baptist Church. We were here, we experienced God in a fresh way, in a new way. It was amazing. You know, I'd go to meetings and, 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 and then you'd, and then you'd, I'd go home. There's one evening I went home and the meeting went on till about, it was going on. We left at 11 o'clock. We went home. We had a cup of tea. We're about to go. I was thinking, do you know what? We're just going to go back. It's great. We're going to go back. Went back. It's still going on. God's still there. You're just meeting with God. It's amazing. Amazing times. Powerful times. God was at work 20 years since. Do you know what? There are reunions going on. Things going on and things planned in Toronto next year. 20 years since the Spirit moved. Let's all gather together. Let's all try and come back together. The same people, the same preachers. It was 20 years ago. We're not living in the past. That was what God did then. What about what God's doing now? Oh, but we want to go back to those days. No, those days were amazing. But we we want to see what God's doing now. We're taking a team out into Canada. I'm going over to Canada for six months initially with my family in January. In May, we're taking a team out from here to kind of go and do some kids' work along the lines of the kids' club that we used to live to run in the area where we live in Sheffield. 
And uh, it's great. A team are going out. And we're going we're gonna to see what God's got for, for Canada, what God wants to do. Just It would be great to take some people over. We're wanting to see how the relationship between the two churches are developing. Um, you know, I've heard a couple of people talk about it as a kids' club reunion. Because a lot of the team who were part of the team, they're going, oh, it's great, we can have a kids' club reunion. Like, yeah, I kind of know what you mean. But it's, it's not about a reunion. It's not just about, oh, let's do the same thing again for old times' sake. <sighs> I don't want anything to do with that. Kids' club was amazing. It was a great time for me and uh, others in the team. We grew through it. God taught us through it. Hopefully people, were, uh, people have been saved through it and others have been reached and impacted by the gospel. But what, what's God doing now? What's God doing now? We're, we're, we're one year, just about, from when Arnold uh, Bell passed away. Our church leader for 15 years. Two days time, it'll be the one year anniversary of, uh, of when he passed away. And Arnold, when he was with us, he taught us so much. He did so much. That I look back and I can think, wow, it's amazing. The foundational teaching that was put in there, the things that God did, the things that we were led into. And we praise God for all of that. But you know what? We, we don't stay there. We don't stay there thinking, oh, this is how Arnold would have done it. This is what was going on then. Let's just keep doing that. Let's just keep doing the same old things. Now, there will be some, and I'll come on to this later, there will be a lot of the same things that we keep doing, actually because it's biblical, because that's not because Arnold did it, but because that's what God's teaching us to do, and that's what God's speaking to us. But we don't stay in the past. We strain towards what is ahead. So we can honor what God has done in the past. We can praise God for what God has done in the past. But, but we must make sure we don't live there. We don't get nostalgic. As I said, maybe for those of us who, are, who have been around for longer. Some of us, will be, some of us won't even have, uh, have heard Arnold preach. Some of us won't know what Kids Club is. Some of us weren't born when the move of the Spirit happened. That's just reality. It's not going to be as much of an issue for you guys. Actually, for those of us who've been around longer, it's, it's easier just to start to live more and more. Oh, there's a reunion here, or we can do this. Oh, there's a regathering of people who did this once. Oh, let's do all of those things. But what about what God's doing now? We're missing it because we're living in what has happened. You know, people can go to buildings and say, oh, this is where um, John Wesley preached and many got saved. And they, Oh, fantastic. Great. How many in the church now? Oh, actually, just a few old grannies and granddads. Oh, fantastic. Well, why are we bothered then? Because that was then. Where's God moving now? What's God doing now? We don't want to be a church that just dwindles in memory of what has happened. We want to be a people who are pressing on to what is going to happen, to what God is going to do, straining to what's ahead. Paul says, let's live up to what we have already attained, in verse 16. Let's live up to what we've already attained. It's the same as what Peter's saying in this passage. Let's live up to what we've already attained. Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. God says this about us. God says we are righteous. God says we are his sons and daughters. God says we have free access into relationship with him. God says he will give us his Holy Spirit. God says he's empowered us. God says he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Fantastic. Now let's live up to what we have already been given. Let's live in that way. Let's live in the light of it. 
That's what he's saying. We're free from sin. We've got the ability to be free from sin and corruption in the world. Well, let's live that way then. Let's live up to what we've already attained. Let's make our calling and election sure. He's given us each other, the church, to strengthen each other and encourage each other. Let's do that then. Let's be eager to make our calling and election sure. Tonight is the Sports Personality of the Year, BBC Sports Personality of the Year, the highlight of the sporting year, according to the BBC. And um, <laughs> it's interesting to look back on who won. I mean, everyone reckons Andy Murray is going to win it tonight, so you don't need to watch it now. Um, but it's interesting to look back at who won it previously. In 1990, uh, Sports Personality of the Year was won by a footballer called Paul Gascoigne. Paul Gascoigne, Gaza. Uh, he, he was, you know, he had so much going for him. He was an amazing footballer. He was really good. And, and he had the potential to do even more. Uh, and he won this Sports Personality of the Year, 1990. He would have only been young at that point. Fairly young. Do you know what? He, he never lived up to what he had attained from that point. He never, he never really lived up to it. He was the sports personality of the year. He was the biggest sporting person in the UK in terms of his skill. But from that point on, he never really lived up to it. He went to the World Cup and he, he got himself sent off. Or he got himself booked. He was going to miss the final game if they got to the final, which they never did anyway. Um, but he would have missed it, you know, and, and there was the whole thing with the, the tears. He, he played in an FA Cup final. You know, he made a, ter- a terrible tackle on someone in the FA Cup final. Uh, and in doing so, he kind of broke his own leg, put himself out for about a year. Um, so he, he was stretched off himself. You know, FA Cup final, ah, oh, such potential, never quite lived up to it. He, he never really achieved those heights that people thought he could with football. And, uh, and then he got into, he was drinking a lot. And he's, be, he's become an alcoholic. And you'll see things on the news about him now. And, you know, he's, he's, he's almost killed himself. To be honest, I had to Google to see whether he was still alive. He, he is, just about. But I think, you know, his friends are saying he needs help. He's just a wreck of a man. He tried to go into management. It was a disaster. He was the sports personality of the year. He had everything going for him. He didn't live up to what he'd attained. Actually, without God, we can't, can we? Because he, what had he attained? He'd attained some trophy, some adulation from, from other people. What we've attained is something from God. God declares us to be these things. God declares us to be his people, those he, he has chosen. But we, and we can attain those things, but we, we choose how we live our lives. Do we choose to live ungodly lives? If we do, we'll never live up to what we've attained. We'll never make our calling and election sure. Peter says, look, if you live in this way, if you do all these things that I've said, you'll never fall. Paul Gascoigne fell. Other people have been walking with God in the church, even church leaders. They've fallen. Why have they fallen? Actually, because they didn't, they didn't give their full attention to these things these qualities in their life. They were doing all the stuff. They had the platform, some of them. They had the gifts. 
They were amazing worship leaders. They were amazing preachers. They had a lot of people telling them how great they were. God might have even been working powerfully and saving people through them. But you know what? We work on ourselves. We work on it in private with God. They're not the big showy things. They're the day-to-day things. If we work on those things, we'll never fall, Peter says. We'll never fall. Doesn't mean we'll never sin. The Bible doesn't teach that. But it means we'll never fall and be out of the race. And and Peter says we'll receive a rich welcome into God's eternal kingdom when we die. There'll be great rewards for us. There'll be a welcoming party there, applauding. Yes, well done. God himself saying, well done. Rewards from God. Not just salvation, as though that was a just. Salvation, amazing, knowing God. But rewards on top of that that the Bible speaks about. We don't even know what they are. But you know what? The Bible encourages us to press in and to seek them. Get the prize. Get the commendation. Next July, the Tour de France is coming through Sheffield. It's actually coming pretty much past our house. Amazing. You can just watch it from our bedroom window. The Tour de France. And there'll be people out on the street. They'll be lining the streets of Sheffield because it's at the end of a stage and people will be like cheering. Yeah, well done. Come on. Shouting and cheering people. Because they're near the finishing line. And, and, and if, you're, if you're in that race, either the Tour de France or if it's a marathon or whatever, you, know, you want to be up there at the front where, where the crowds are going to be. The crowds are there and they're cheering you and they're welcoming you. Yeah, we're doing well. We're, we're, up, we're up ahead. We don't want to be those who are limping in hours later. You know, who, who, whose chain's fallen off the bike or who, who have... If they're running, they've stumbled and tripped and they're, they're just about scraping their way over the finishing line. Well, where's the crowds gone? Oh, well, they've gone home hours ago. Oh, everyone else has gone through. But, oh, yeah, you've, you've got there. You've made it. But, yeah, we don't want to be limping in to salvation. We don't want to be stumbling in. We want to be pressing on. We want to be winning the prize. How do we make sure that will be the case? By giving ourselves to these things, by cultivating these qualities in our lives. That's to be our priority. That's what Peter's saying. Prioritize these things. You see, we we can prioritize things in our life. We all make decisions how we spend our time. We all make decisions on what we do. If we don't, then we just default to laziness. We just drift. We just sit down and put the TV on. Oh, yeah. What are we going to do in my life? Look back on the year. What have I done? I don't know. I've watched quite a lot of TV, though. You know. I've watched this program. I know all. The, I know all this. Okay. What else? Actually, no. We can just drift. No. Instead, we can choose to develop some of these things. What's the way we do it? Well, mainly through prayer, through reading His Word, through working it out in the church. These are some of the main things. Oh, that's, that's quite hard work. Yeah, actually, it is. It can be hard work. I'm not saying that life's all about that, but actually, we make decisions and and choices about priority. We can do that. We say, no, we're going to worship God. He's going to be first in our lives. We've got a family. We're going to, we're going to make sure we look after our family. If, we, if we're married, wife or husband, actually, no, we're going to give ourselves to that. I want to be a good wife. I want to be a good husband. If we've got kids, right, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to really give myself to bringing my kids up well and being a good father to them or a good mother to them, to, to teach them and to encourage them and to, and to shape them. 
to, to bring them into a relationship with God. And then our work, okay, I'm going to give myself to that. Whatever it might be, giving ourselves to the church. Actually, those, if, you, if you do all those things, that's going to be the majority of your time. If you've got a husband, wife, or a wife, and kids, and a job, that's going to take up a lot of time. And church, it's not a lot of time left. Okay, but, but maybe we prioritize. Matthew uh, 6 speaks about this. Jesus is talking about these things. He's saying, Jesus is saying, look, don't worry about all these other things. Don't, don't think about, well, I've got to give myself to making sure I've got enough money or making sure I'm well clothed or all of those things, all these anxieties that might just come in. Jesus is saying, look, don't, don't be worrying about these things. He says, instead, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Where, where does it say that? Verse um, 33 of Matthew 6. It's the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All of these other things will be given to you as well. Interesting, isn't it? Seek first. We can think, oh yeah, we're seeking God's kingdom first. It's God's kingdom first and his righteousness what does that mean? It means working some of these things out in your life. That's, and then God will give all these other things. He knows what you need. We don't need to be giving ourselves to that and ignoring, ignoring some of the foundational, fundamental things in our lives. So we can give ourselves to that. We, we should have a holy dissatisfaction with ourselves, as Paul did. We, we need to be aware of our strengths and weaknesses. It's good to know them. Paul knew he wasn't, wasn't there yet. He was, he was striving after it. It's not a case of just saying, oh, I've got certain strengths. I'm going to focus on them. I'm going to ignore my weaknesses. That's what the world will increasingly tell us to do these days. That's what business says. If you want to do well, just focus on your strengths. Don't worry about your weaknesses. Oh, okay, I'll do that. That's not what God says. God doesn't say in this list of, of things here, ignore the weak areas. He says, actually, know your strengths and weaknesses. It's no, it's no good saying, oh, do you know what? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good here at, um, at knowledge. I know a lot of stuff. I'm, 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 I've studied hard. I'm not that great on self-control. That's one of my weaknesses. Uh, knowledge is pretty good. I'm going to focus on the knowledge side of things. I'm going to focus on my strengths. Never mind the self-control. That'll be okay. No, actually, Paul's saying, no, you focus on, Peter's saying, you focus on all of these things. You have them all. They'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. So I know, for me, you know, if, if, if you say about, let's say, Bible, Bible study and uh, prayer, I know which of those two is my strong, is my, one of my strengths. I'm much stronger on uh, Bible study. Okay? I know I struggle with prayer. I know that's a real struggle. But what do I do? Just think, oh, never mind, I'll read the Bible instead. I've got to, I've got to really make sure I give myself to, to developing prayer, developing a, a, an ongoing relationship with God. Because if I'm not careful, I can just think, ah, oh, do you know, that's too hard. I'm going to focus on the strength. Now we cultivate all of these things. So this is what Peter's saying to us. And he's reminding them of these things. He's explaining in verses 12 to 15, and we're going to look at this very briefly, why he's reminding them. He's saying, I'm reminding of you of these things, even though you know them. He says, because... And then he starts saying, well, actually, I know that I'm going to die soon. 
He knows he's going to die. Jesus has told him. He's made it clear to him. You're coming to the end of your life. And so he's saying, as long as I'm living, I'm wanting to prioritize this. He says, as long as I'm living, I will make every effort to see that you'll always be able to remember these things. I think it's right. You know them already, but it's right for me to refresh your memory as long as I'm alive. See, it's his last thing that he's going to say to them, probably. This is his last letter to them. And this is what he's focusing on. on. And he's not giving them some new teaching. He's not giving them some new revelation that he's got from God. And that, that you can imagine them thinking, oh, got another letter from Peter. Fantastic. What's he going to tell us? What new thing has he got that he's going to lead us in the church? Oh, he's amazing. Peter, the apostle, a great man of God. What's he going to do? We start reading the letter. Oh, oh he's talking about self-control and perseverance and godliness. And brother, we know all this stuff. And then he says, yeah, I, I'm reminding you of them. I know that you know them. They're thinking, yeah, we know them, we know them. Tell us something new. He's going, no, no, no. I'm not going to tell you something new. I'm not going to tell you something new. Because this is the important stuff. This is the gospel. This is what it's about. We don't move on from these things. We, we can get like that in church life, can't we? We can come to a meeting and think, oh, do you know what? I sat for, for 15 minutes. How long has Mark been preaching for? Oh, a long time. 45, 50 minutes. Oh, I don't know. We've heard it all before. He's just telling us, I said, he preached it the other week. He said the same thing. He's been on this passage seven weeks. Seven weeks, 11 verses. What's going on? Keep saying the same thing to us. Want something new. <laughs> Peter didn't give them anything new. He said, this is what we're focusing on. It's good to be reminded of these things. Peter didn't move on from it. Paul didn't move on from it. So I've not moved on from it. And, and this is my last message to you for, for the moment, before moving to Canada. For six months, and then, we'll, you know, who, who knows. But for now, this is my last message to you. I'm not preaching again before January. I trust that I'm not being called to glory yet. But I have the same desire that these, as Peter, that these things will be what you give yourselves to. Because it's not about moving on to new and exciting things. As we come into a new year, what's God got for us in, in, in the new year? Do you know what? He will have new things. We've been talking about that already. There will be things that God is doing. But do you know what? In all of those things, whatever it is, prayer will be central. At least I hope so. At least I'm urging it that, you, that it is the case. I'm trust, I know it will be. Prayer will be central. The word of God will be central at the foundation of all we do. The Holy Spirit will be living and active in the church. That will be central. Holiness, that was a message that will keep on being central. The local church, keeping it at the center. The importance of the local church. I think that's a big one. No, you know, not, there's temptations to get involved. There's so much goes on in the Christian world. And we've got access to it now by the internet. We can get involved in so much. So many different ministries and uh, parachurch organizations and other churches. They're doing this and this is going on. We can just get pulled off into all sorts of separate things. And they they might be good things. But we've got to say no. Actually, 
biblically, it's about the local church. It's about the body of Christ, and we, we see it in Ephesians. And if you don't see it, study it, and, and God will make it clear to you. And, uh, you know, who are we? Who are we in God? Well, that's what we're giving ourselves to. Not, not some other things, which might be very good. You know, not, not just some, uh, just, oh, we, we're really into this parachurch organization. They're reaching this area here and this specific country. We, we're going to give ourselves to that. Or, um, oh, there's, there's other things going on in the church. There's another church. They've got a great meeting on. We're going to go to that next week. We're not going to come here because there's a, there's a guest speaker coming to another church. We're going to go to that instead. What? No. Oh, oh, oh we've, got a, we've got a Bible study group that we, that's going on. Um, you know, and, and, oh, we can't get in this in the... It's frustrating. Actually, I've spoken to Helen Fletcher sometimes. We've talked about mini-kids, you know, and, and we've said, well, who could get involved in mini-kids on a, on, a, on a Friday morning, maybe, or whatever? And, we've, and I've said, well, what about this person? Oh, well, no, because they go to... There's a, there's a Bible study group on on a Friday morning that they go to. Oh, well, where's that then? Well, it's a it's kind of inter-church thing. Oh, right, so they can't get involved. Oh, that's a shame. Well, because we're giving ourselves to the local church. There's a, that's no criticism on any of the good things that will be going on. There'll be good things that are going on, godly things that will be going on. What do we give ourselves to? Actually, we give ourselves to the local church. Can I encourage you in that? It's about doing these things. Peter's saying, I want to make sure that you're able to remember these things. Not just remember them. But do them. If you do these things, you'll never fall. Not just if you've had them preached to you. Not just if you remember them. Not just if you think, oh, we ought to do those things. If you do these things. You know, I'm apparently known for being quite blunt. <laughs> quite imagine why. Um, <laughs> some of you might have just realized that from what I've just said. Anyway, but, but James is quite blunt as well in the Bible, isn't he? James, he's a blunt guy. I like James. James, chapter 1, straight in, first chapter. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What, we're deceiving ourselves by listening to the word. Don't merely listen to the word. Do what it says. He's like straight in there. There's no point just turning up here and listening to preaching and then going home and doing and living life totally different. Oh, well, maybe I'm sure there's something else we need. We need some impartation of God or whatever. James is saying, no, you don't. You need to do what it says. Just do what it says. That's what you need to do. Do what it says. So that's my message to you today. That's my parting shot. <laughs> As I go up to Canada. <laughs> it's my ex- exhortation, strong exhortation to you today. Do what the word says. I've been preaching for seven weeks through 2 Peter, first 11, chap- first 11 verses, deliberately, because it's got these things in. And, and it's like, well, what are we supposed to do? It's not just to hear it. It's so that we can start to do what it says. And we'll never fall if we do. And we'll receive a rich welcome into God's eternal kingdom. I still remember... Kim Vickers um, putting something on Facebook after Arnold died. And, and she said that she had got from God a fresh and strong determination, a desire to get hold of all that had been taught about so passionately. 
to set her face to seek the Lord. She says she remembers on more than one occasion Arnold asking as he preached, what would the church be like if we really got hold of this? What would the church be like if we really got hold of what we're preaching, if we really got hold of grace, if we really got hold of the power available to us? And, 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 and what it means to know that Jesus is Lord, if we really understood the love of God, and if we really gave ourselves to these things. And she says, I really want to find out what that would look like too. I'm, in, I'm encouraged, actually, having seen Kim over the last year. I think she's starting to get hold of it. And others are too. And I want to encourage us, let's keep on pressing in. We're not there yet. In fact, we'll never be there. Paul wasn't there. He'd not attained it yet. He's straining forward. He's putting every effort into it. Peter's saying, put every effort into it. Make every effort to add to your faith. Be all the more eager. These are strong words. It's a lifetime giving ourselves to this. Putting into practice the things that God reveals to us. Let's do that, eh? Let's do that. Let's not second, settle for second best. Let's not settle for anything less than Christ has won for us. Let's live up to what he's done.